Thanks to our listeners, Issues Etc. has operated independently and in the black for 15 consecutive years. Please help us cover our expenses again this year by making a year-end financial gift. For a year-end donation of $250 or more, we'll send you our forthcoming book, Objections Overruled 3, and a new recording of 15 Christmas and Epiphany hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. You can make a secure online contribution at issuesetc.org. Thanks for your support at the end of 2023. Back in 2020, the U.S. Supreme Court handed down a ruling, Bostock v. Clayton County, that opened the door for the imposition of transgender policies to the federal government and on any agency, any business, any school, any nonprofit receiving a federal grant. And the Biden administration is working its best to get the imposition of those policies in every place they possibly can. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Joining us to talk about an attempt by the Biden administration to force transgender policies on federal grant recipients, Joy Pullman, executive editor of The Federalist. She's author of the book, The Education Invasion, and a recent column titled Trans Businesses, Nonprofits, and Schools, or No Federal Grants. Joy, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Todd. Describe how the Biden administration is currently attempting to force recipients of federal grants to adopt policies that promote transgender ideology. Well, it's basically doing this through opening up the word sex in federal law to amending it, essentially, to include the concept of sexual orientation and gender identity. So the United States has on the books more than 100 laws that essentially preference women and give them advantages, legal advantages over and above men. These are called anti-discrimination laws, but they're actually positive discrimination laws. And so those laws basically ban making any distinction between the sexes in all kinds of different areas of federal policy. And so they're called sex discrimination laws. And so what the Biden administration done here is said, we're going to understand the text of these laws that bans sex discrimination. That word sex will now include the concepts of sexual orientation and gender identity. So it was originally a feminist law to provide advantages to women at the expense of men, now is also a LGBT law to provide advantages to those sexual groups of people at the disadvantages of everyone else. What would the Biden policy here do to religious liberty and freedoms of conscience and speech? Oh, I mean, this is a direct erasure of religious liberty and the freedoms of conscience and speech. You know, this is basically saying for all federal grants that if Americans want equal access to their own tax dollars, that they are going to have to sacrifice their freedom of conscience, understanding of reality, um, and their abilities to say the truth as they perceive, understand, and know it. You know, so this is essentially one of many, many regulatory erasures of not only the First Amendment, but also reality itself, because as we all know, men and women are different, and no matter what the laws say, they cannot change that fact. I was stunned to learn in your article how pervasive federal grant money is, how much money it is, and how many people it employs. Give us some of the numbers. Oh, the federal government, a very large amount of its work, if not the majority of its work, in fact, is done through contracting out. So Americans are probably familiar with this, especially in the idea of military contractors. 
but actually federal contracts and grants result in the employment of more people than are actually directly employed by the federal government. So it's a very, very large portion of the economy. And through these contracts and grants, the federal government can control a large parts of the economy that are allegedly private. You know, because there's many, many businesses who want to contract with the federal government to, say, provide furniture for their offices. So here talking about federal grants, you know, the federal government gives all kinds of grants, literally from infrastructure development that might be, you know, as Missouri Synod folks know, might include resurfacing a playground next, you know, to a church or, or your parking lot. You know, so everything from that kind of mundane basic infrastructure thing all the way up to, you know, literally grants for personnel and for programming. So there, there's a lot of areas of American life that can be touched through these federal grant rules. Um, and in fact, in 2022, the last kind of full fiscal year we have, federal grants were worth $700 billion, which is almost as much as American taxpayers are spending each year on the U.S. military. How would the regulation affect the federal agencies themselves? So as I mentioned, you know, there's more than 100 federal laws and, and many more regulations that basically forbid federal agencies and contracts and so forth from acknowledging any distinctions between men and women. And so and these rules that we're talking about here, the Biden administration wants to change, are basically, you know, they're run out of the Office of Management and Budget, which is kind of like a comprehensive sort of uh, organization at the federal level. And so these rules that it's pushing out and putting out for public comment would apply to essentially every single federal agency. There are hundreds of federal agencies. So this isn't, for example, just the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, which has already put out its own transgender regulations, including, for example, requiring visitors to U.S. HHS offices to use false transgender pronouns. So that's already been done discreetly through that agency. But these regulations you and I are talking about apply not only there, but every single other place where there are any federal grants in play, which is, again, the majority of federal agencies. How is the 2020 U.S. Supreme Court decision, Bostock v. Clayton County, related to these proposed rule changes from the Biden administration? Well, basically, the Biden administration is using that decision by the Supreme Court as the pretext for ramming through everywhere it possibly can this totalitarian erasure of the distinction between the sexes through every avenue of federal power. So that Supreme Court decision in 2020 did exactly the same thing that the Biden administration is wanting now to apply to all federal grants. What it did was take one of the federal laws that bans, quote, sex discrimination, so no acknowledging of the differences between men and women, and it inserted the concept of sexual orientation and gender identity into that word sex. So it basically, they said, you know, we used to think that the decision was regarding Title VII, you know, in, in employment law. We used to think that federal laws banning sex discrimination basically said, if you have a woman and a man applying for the same job, you can't just pick the man because he's a man. And now what Justice Gorsuch said in that decision is basically says, without Congress passing any law saying so, we just hereby decree that also that law that was passed in 1964 includes today the concept of gender identity discrimination. So again, without Congress passing any law, changing any word of statute, making any acts authorized by the elected representatives of the people, 
the concept of sex discrimination at work was expanded by the courts, an act of judicial overreach, to include sexual orientation and gender identity. So previously, you'd say you can't pick a man over a woman in hiring, and now you can't pick a non-transsexual person over a transsexual when you're hiring, no matter what it relates to. You know, so obviously, I think parents would understand you don't want your kindergarten teacher coming in, let's And I will be delicate for the sake of small children who are listening to me and probably to the folks on your show, Todd. But you don't want, let's say, a person who is doing a awkward and horrifying representation of a woman. You don't want that person being your child's kindergarten teacher. You know, you have a I mean, that's perfectly logical. Children shouldn't be exposed to that kind of vulgarity ever, you know, but especially at very young ages. You know, now that's illegal, according to the Bostock decision. You say that the LGBTQ activism is both un-American and totalitarian. How so? Well, first, because, I mean, we're talking about the erasure of constitutionally protected Americans' natural rights, right? There is no constitutional right to use the threat of government force to punish people who disagree with you. And that's one of the prime things that, you know, LGBT laws do when they're put into place. So essentially what we are seeing, with, whenever there's the enactment of LGBT, of queer policies across the country, basically what they do is overturn the original U.S. Constitution, which, of course, is designed to protect Americans' equal natural rights that come from God. So it is essentially the overturning of the old Constitution and the replacement of it with a new living Constitution that completely destroys people's original natural rights, right? So in this instance here, the multiple natural rights that are being affected, that are being erased by these kinds of policies, they include the right to free speech, they include the right to religious exercise. So people who are religious, or even if they're not religious, they can't say, yes, I think men and women are different and now expect to get a federal grant. So they won't get equal access to that. That's what the Biden administration is saying. So that's one constitutional right race. Another fundamental American right is freedom of association. I get to go to whatever church I want to, whatever grocery store, whatever club. I get to form whatever alliances and friendships and private associations that I want in this country. That's what it means to have a free country is that people get to choose their own friendships. And so what the government is doing here is saying, you don't get to hire people for your organization that you choose based on your criteria. We get to tell you who you are forced to be in the same office with all day, every day. We get to tell you who the teachers for your children must be, and they could be super offensive people who are hostile to children's innocence. That's just a flat-out totalitarian thing is to say, if you disagree with the government, you better not act like it in any way regardless. So, of course, totalitarianism is the erasure of Americans' natural rights protected by the Constitution, That's you know, because they're like at the extreme opposite poles of government. One of these allows for freedom, individual liberty, people making their own choices and being responsible for them. The other one turns Americans into the serfs of the state, and that's what totalitarianism is, and these are therefore totalitarian policies. You really say that there should be no anti-discrimination laws. Why? Yes, and I think it's really unfair to call this discrimination. Discrimination has become to be kind of a dirty word now. And there's good reasons for that, but there's also some bad reasons. Of course, it makes perfect sense to make distinctions between things that are different. And men and women are flatly different. So making distinctions between them in reasonable areas makes perfect sense. 
So in private places, in showers and bathrooms and bedrooms and overnight stays, there are very good reasons that men and women should not be housed together with each other in prisons and all the rest of it. You know, and that it, it, some people would call that discrimination, but what that really is is being sane. <laughs> so using this kind of word that beats people up and makes them scared because it basically implies you're a bigot, it's making people retreat from the fact that men and women are different and sometimes we do need to accommodate and have our public life and our private lives reflect those differences. So it is not discrimination to recognize that men and women are different and pretending otherwise that kind of feminist law that came in with the 1964 Civil Rights Act that claimed that there's no possible reason to ever treat men and women different. That's just false. There are many good reasons to do so. And accepting that lie and being browbeaten into thinking that it's bigotry to recognize those differences has helped land us in this situation where children are literally having classrooms where their substitute teacher is a person who really is hostile to their moral formation and to their sense of stability and therefore their growth and development. Public comment on these proposed Biden regulation rules changes are open still for a little bit. What should our listeners do? Right. Until December 4th, so less than a week here. If you go to thefederalist.com, you can find my article and I have a link to folks to submit their public comments. And I would encourage people to do this both as individuals and also as an organization, as business owners, as churches, as people who run perhaps scouting organizations and use what remains of your free speech to tell the government that this is completely unconstitutional and to oppose it. And these comments do have an effect. So, for example, the federal law requires these agencies, even though these agencies are completely hostile, run by crazy people, they have to comply with federal law that requires them to respond to and read every single comment. And if they don't, that helps create a wedge for lawsuits that will be filed against this regulation. So it does boost and reduce the chances that this policy goes into effect for people to use their free speech in that way. And so I would encourage people to do so. Joy Pullman is executive editor of The Federalist. She's author of the book, The Education Evasion, and a recent column titled Trans Businesses, Nonprofits, and Schools, or No Federal Grants. Read it at our website, issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Joy, thanks. Thank you. We will be joined by Pastor Christopher Eskett and discuss the source of truth with him next. Thanks to our listeners, Issues Etc. has operated independently and in the black for 15 consecutive years. Please help us cover our expenses again this year by making a year-end financial gift. For a year-end donation of $250 or more, we'll send you our forthcoming book, Objections Overruled 3, and a new recording of 15 Christmas and Epiphany hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. You can make a secure online contribution at issuesetc.org. Thanks for your support at the end of 2023.
Psalm 144.1 Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Those serving in the armed forces want LCMS chaplains. We need courageous pastors to bring the gospel and sacraments to those protecting our nation, along with wise counsel and the peace found only in Christ Jesus. If you are between the age of 26 and 43 and have a heart for ministry in the armed forces, call 314-996-1337 or email lcmschaps at lcms.org. Lutheranism in the Public Square. You're listening to Issues Etc. Join Lutherans for Life and Why for Life in Washington, D.C., Thursday, January 18th through Saturday, January 20th for the 2024 Why for Life Free Conference. Registration is open through December 15th. Learn more at why4life.org. Great events, speakers, and social time. The 2024 Why for Life Free Conference, January 18th through the 20th in Washington, D.C., why4life.org. At Memoria Press, the Simply Classical curriculum is specifically designed for students with significant learning challenges. This complete program includes everything you need for a school, self-contained classroom, tutoring, or homeschool to make a classical Christian education accessible for any child. To learn more, visit us at simplyclassical.com and use the coupon code LPR24 at checkout. Simply Classical, a beautiful education for any child.